0: Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. You can be seated this morning. We're glad you're here. And uh, we're, we're continuing our series on We Are Reach, and we're talking about our church values and who we are and what are some of the things that we're good at. There's a lot of churches that are good at certain things, And we felt like uh, uh, about eight or nine months ago that we kind of wanted to narrow down what we're good at and what the Lord has placed us here in this community in this city uh, to do and so I'm going to pray and ask the Lord to kind of just help us to, as we get as we get going here on this message uh, maybe you can lower down just the monitor just a little bit because I feel like I'm echoing just a bit so let's pray Father we thank you today for the Holy Spirit I pray today God that you'd open our hearts open our minds today remove every distraction Lord especially especially spiritual blindness And Lord, I just pray today, God, open our spiritual eyes to hear and receive the word of God. Lord, I pray for the anointing of your spirit as I declare your word, and the people would hear the voice behind the voice. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. And so, again, we're talking about our values, and I'll just go over some of the values that we talked about in the last couple of months, and we're continuing it here in February. Uh, the first one, I should, not in this order, but uh, we talked about reaching out. How many know we're about reaching people? That's, what we're, that's the name of our church, is church. And the second one we talked about is changes are. Our? That's our buddy right there. That's our best friend, Changes Our Friend. And then we talked about 360. We talked about honoring up. Down and all around, right? Honoring other people. And then I talked about grace and truth that many people want to preach truth, but no grace. Many people want to preach grace, but no truth. You got to have grace and truth. Jesus came full of grace and truth. You can hear that. And then yesterday, or yesterday, last week, Pastor Rob Santiago preached on make room. How many enjoyed that? Making room. <laughs> And in fact, I'm going to call him up here because he's going to go over and describe our next one. So give him a big hand as he comes up.
1: Amen. Thank you. So our next one is Define and Align. And I'm going to read you the definition for that. It says, Ministry is released when we communicate, collaborate as a team, aligning with Christ's will. In other words, what we're looking for is alignment with the church. Amen. How many you know that we need to be aligned with the church? Our lives need to be aligned with the church. Our lives need to be aligned with Christ. Amen. And we see a good example of this in the book of Acts, chapter 17. The Bible says that the apostle Paul, as he was starting the church, he went to Thessalonica, and he was only able to preach there for a short amount of time. And as he was teaching and preaching, a riot broke out, and they had to flee. They had to run. But at that time, he was preaching and he was teaching. The Holy Spirit got a hold of the people in Thessalonica. And he then writes a letter to them. And that letter is 1 Thessalonians in chapter 2, verse 13. I'm going to read to you what he says in that letter. He says, for this reason, we also constantly thank God when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of mere men, but as what really is the word of God, which also is at the work in you who believe. Verse 14 says this, it says, For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of the church of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, for you also endured the same sufferings at the hands of your own countrymen. And so what we learn from this is that the Thessalonians actually caught it. They became aligned. The Holy Spirit began to touch them, and even they went through trials, but what Paul highlights is he says, for brothers and sisters, you became imitators of the churches. And that's the alignment we're talking about. In other words, the Thessalonians, they didn't have their own agenda. They didn't walk in saying, hey, this is for my reputation. They weren't fighting with each other. They wanted to accomplish the will of God. And that's what being defined and aligned is. And I'm going to ask the media team if they could put up that picture. See, the church can sometimes be like a vessel. Right, we're all on this boat together. Now some are doing some are operating in alignment and others are not. And so I don't know if you could see that all the way back there, but I'm just going to kind of highlight what's happening. This boat is taking off. You could see a group of people here in number 8, section 8 here, you could see these these people bringing up the anchor. So in other words, they're going to say, hey, "Look, we're going to we're going to get going. We're going to move," right? Then you see this guy right here number 12, he's late. He's missing the boat, just like some of us are late sometimes, right? Some of, those, some of us in ministry, we're late, we're missing the boat, right? We're not really being defined in a line in that moment. And then you see, you got, uh, you got a lookout number here, a watchman, right? Just kind of looking out, looking for the destination, keeping us aligned, keeping us in direction. You also have number 15 here, who's trying to stop everything that the boat is trying to do. You have number 19, who's kind of a jester. He's just joking around, making a joke, being a little shark in the sea there. You have number 17, trying to take out the plans of the boat, right? You have number 18, he's just trying to survive. This is some, of, some of us are in here, right? Some of us can actually say, this is one of us, right? You got this guy, he doesn't even know how to act. He's just kinda hanging off the edge there of the sail, right? We got this guy who, who, you know, is kind of mopping up the floors. He's going to keep it clean, right? And you got this guy flying a kite. He ain't with us, right? And so that's what it's like. We could be all over the place, but really what's happening here is what we're looking for is that whole definement and alignment. And so I want to leave you with this. Christ is what defines us, but his church is what aligns us, amen? And so with that, I'm going to turn it back over to Pastor Omar. I'm going to read a
0: scripture here out of uh, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26. It says, The righteous choose their friends carefully, uh, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Another version says, Good people are careful about choosing their friends, but evil people always choose the wrong ones. So it matters who you align your life with. It really does. And it matters everything about your life. So we're going to talk about aligning. We're going to talk about relationship. We're going to about, talk about teaming up with people, associating with people, who you connect with people. So let me ask you a question because I know all of us have probably experienced this, at least the majority of us here. How many of you have been burned by a relationship or a friendship before in your life? Raise your hand. The majority of us have. Some of us aren't willing to admit it. And how many know the pain is real? You, you, you trusted this uh, friend. You trusted this companion. Uh, you trusted in this relationship. And somehow they let you down. All right? Somehow they let you down. Kind of like the chief are going to let a lot of people down uh, tonight. I just thought I'd throw it out there. Uh, my home's going down today. Anyway, so let's, let's start from here. Kind of let you know where I'm at. I may have to take that back, but we'll see. So let's start from here. Let's not, let's not gloss over and pretend that it's not there. All of us have experienced some kind of broken relationship. All of us have experienced some type of uh, pain in relationship. In fact, Some would argue that that's probably the greatest pain in your life, if not the greatest pain in life, is to have a broken relationship, the pain of hurt of a broken relationship. And therefore, what happens is uh, we become fearful again to rebuild relationship and to align ourselves in relationship. In fact, in the Old Testament, it gives us a man who went through a lot of suffering. If you're not familiar with him, his name is Job. And Job goes through a lot of suffering in his life. He loses his family. He loses his wealth. And it's here that Job really is depending on his friend. And his friends come around him. And he's hoping that he's going to get a word of encouragement. But instead, I'll read you the scripture. They begin to criticize him. They begin to gossip about him. uh, They begin to say all sorts of things about him. And Job said it this way in Job chapter 19, verse 19, All of my intimate friends detest me. Those I loved have turned against me. I mean, you can almost hear it in the words here. He says, My friends despise me and they're disgusted with me. I I mean, if you didn't feel the pain of that already, and, and again, your pain is real, but what happens is we begin to build walls. We begin to build these walls to keep people away from us, what we call a safe distance. We, we're just going to, you're just only going to get so close to me because I don't want to get any more hurt. I don't want to get any more betrayed. And so I'm not going to really be that close to you. We're only going to get this close. And what happens is we lose the alignment and the blessing of relationships in your life. Amen. And I'm telling you, relationships are critical. And we become fearful of relationships. In fact, God said it this way in Genesis chapter 2, and many times the scripture is used for marriage, but I believe it's more about relationship. He said, then the Lord God said in Genesis 2.18, it is not good for the man to live alone. I will make him a suitable companion to help him. He says, you know what? Uh, I, what I've created is good, Uh, Adam is good, but he needs a companion. He needs someone that will uh, walk, uh, be, you know, a companion, do life with him. And God said, be fruitful, multiply, and subdue the earth. In other words, rule over it and have lots of babies and have fun. That's what it's saying there. And so when you read the scripture, you're seeing here that God is is again saying that man needs relationship. And then what happens is the devil raises his ugly head. And somehow the devil gets in there in in the garden, and the serpent says, uh, he he begins to question God. He goes, did God really say, don't eat from the tree? God said, hey, you're, you have all this freedom, but don't eat from that tree. And the, uh, the minute that happens, the serpent, the devil, begins to question God. And then he gets Adam and Eve begin to question God. And they fall into sin. Uh, and there's broken relationship with God and broken relationship with one another because the fear of intimacy or relationships makes all of us distance. It'll distance us. It'll cause us to to separate. In fact, when God came after Adam and Eve had sinned, the Bible said that he came and Adam and Eve were uh, hiding, and he said, where are you, Adam? And he goes, I hid from you. And and basically, again, they're hiding uh, from this relationship. They're hiding uh, because they've sinned. They're hiding because they they violated the relationship, and that's what happens with a lot of us when there is violation when there's betrayal, we begin, to, we begin to hide. A lot of us begin to hide behind our insecurities. We begin to hide behind our addictions. And honestly, I believe for many of you here, this message is very significant. Because when we're talking about defining and aligning, you got to get your friends right. The right friend will set you up for blessing. The right friend will set you up for success The right friends will set you up for great purpose, but on the flip side, the wrong friends will steer you in the wrong direction. The wrong associations will create more trial, will create more heartache in your life. I've said this before, but write this down. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Show me who you hang out with, and I'll show you the direction that you're going. See, the company that we keep not only shape the outcome of our situation, but also also shape who we are and who we become. And Solomon said it this way. I like the way he said this. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. He said, walk with the wise and become wise. You want to be wise? Hang out with wise people. Then he says, for a companion of fools, what? Suffers harm. So if you want to be wise, hang out with those that are wise. But you notice what Solomon did not say. He did not say a fool suffers harm. He said a companion of fools suffers harm. That's right. So you don't have to be a fool to suffer harm. All you have to do is hang around with fools and you're going to suffer harm. <laughs> So often when we use that word fool, we think that word fool is like the word idiot and, and, and the uh, Proverbs is being insulting here. No, what Solomon is doing here when he uses the word fool, he's using it as the word that describes people who intentionally and deliberately reject wisdom. People that don't want to hear the wise way to live. People that reject spiritual and, uh, uh, and practical wisdom. Some of us can relate to this. Before you came to Christ, you hung out with the wrong people. And some of those people got you in trouble, right? BC, before Christ, am I right? And, and you hung around with fools and you became a fool, or you were the fool that caused other fools, right? Am I right? But here's where the shift has to come, where if you hang around with the wise, it'll rub off on you, and you'll begin to evolve, and you'll begin to emerge uh, uh, around, uh, like those people around you that are wise. You want to be wise? Get around people that are wise. Ultimately, you'll become who you walk with. In fact, I read this quote, association breeds a stimulation. You take on or you observe who you associate with. Let me make this statement to you because many of us, we, we think this, but it's not true. There is no such thing as the casual and neutral relationship. You say, well, I have a relationship, but it doesn't affect me. No, all relationships are consequential. I don't care what relationship you have, it has a consequence in your life. That's why you have to be careful how, who you hang out with. Some relationships will push us forward or hold us back. Some relationships will propel us to our purpose, and some of, us will, some of them will push us to our pain. Some of them will bring us joy, and some of them will bring the, us uh, sorrow. It's incredibly impactful who you hang out with, and sometimes we're unaware of the impact of the people that we hang out with. So I got this glass here today. I want to show you this. I got this glass. I'm going to put some water in here, and hopefully I don't spill it all over the place. And so here's this water here. So you see that glass of water? It's pretty clear, right? Hope you guys washed it. The wa- yeah, they washed it. <laughs> so I'm going to give you the impact of a relationship, okay? It's like this Coke. I don't drink Coke, but here it is. So how, how much Coke do I need to put in this water to contaminate it? Just, just look at that. Just that little bit of coke that I put in there, just that little bit of relationship, just that little bit of connection, already starting to contaminate that thing. It's already starting to look at dark. It was clear, was it not? And so the more I put in it, the darker it becomes, doesn't it? The more you hang around people like that, whose life is dark, whose mind is dark, whose intentions are dark, they begin to darken your soul. And so we need to be very careful. Hopefully, I don't spill it as I'm preaching. Maybe somebody ought to come and take this thing because I'm liable to be preaching it. Don't drink it, though. I'm liable to be preaching it and all of a sudden just push it over. So think about this. If I hang around with people that are are better than me, then ultimately I'm going to become better. If you hang around people that are smarter than you, have better marriages than you, make better money than you, manage money better than you, then ultimately you're going to rise to that level because you're hanging around those people. But if you're hanging around with a bunch of fools uh, that are, you know, into and things and doing all that stuff, they're going to take you down. And you're wondering, why is my life going in this direction? Uh, again, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. In fact, my life, there's areas in my life, think about this, and in your life, that the reason I had success was directly tied to the people, to the right people God put in my life. People with the right mindset, people with the right uh, ideals, people with the right purpose. Those people actually helped me get my life in order. I can show you areas of blessing of how God used people, the right people, to help influence me in the right direction. And if you really think about it, the the right influences in your life helped you. You didn't get there on your own. The blessing, the success you have, it wasn't all you. It was the connection. Somebody connected you. Somebody spoke for you. You got that job. You got that connection. I can tell you, I can look around this room. Most of you got a job today because you started coming to this church and somebody helped you out. How many would say amen to that? Not all of you, but there's a lot of you here. You're working today. You got a job today. You're even married today because you found this church and somebody influenced you in the right way. That's okay. Thank God for the blessing, right? Thank God for the right connection. Now, the other side of that, again, the other side is we get with the wrong people and we're going to get in trouble. How many know before you came to Christ, you didn't get in trouble alone? It was usually the people you were running with. And I've said this before, and I want to emphasize it again. You're the average of your five closest friends. If you have five close friends, you're probably the average of them. You're probably not at the top. You're not at the bottom, but you're probably about the average. When you look at the income of your five closest friends, you're probably about average income. When you look at your marriage, when you look at all that, you're probably right there. Chances are, you're the average of your five closest friends. Even morally, if you're a person that parties, you're probably the average of those party people. If you got stoned last night, turn around and see who it was. No, don't, don't point them out. Got <laughs> You're probably the average of the five people that you got thrown with. See, now if you're pursuing God and you're hanging around people that are pursuing God, maybe three or four of those people, you're the average of those five people that are pursuing God. So who are you hanging out with makes the difference. Do you want to become like those that you're hanging out with? Because I really believe influence has everything to do with it. And so, if you want to be better financially, if you want to be better spiritually, if you want a good marriage, hang out with people that have good marriages. Hang out with people that, I'm telling you, early in my life, I knew good marriages and the bad marriages. I'm not hanging out with that couple. They're always arguing. They're always saying stuff to each other. I'm not getting together with them. I'm stressed out when I hang out with those people. (laughs) They talk about each other. They gossip about each other. My goodness. I don't want to be like that marriage. This guy over here, you know, he just, he never, you know, he's always, uh, he doesn't have any money. He's always uh, squandering the money. Not that he doesn't make it. He squanders it. He doesn't know how to manage. I'm going to get around somebody who knows how to manage their money. So let's define what good relationships are and good friendships. Let me read the FBV version. It says this, a friend is someone you may or may not know well who accepts your friend request on Facebook. This person is born to hit like and comment on your post to make you feel good about yourself. That's the Facebook version, the FB version. There is no such thing. I made it up. Okay? But how many know Facebook is having a real impact on how we define our friendships today? Right? And so here's the real version. A friend loves you all the time, and a friend helps you in time of trouble. So I want to talk a little bit about, I don't have a lot of time, I want to talk a little about, a bit about, about defining and aligning our relationships. So I want to talk about how we need to define them and how we need to align them in our life. Paul the Apostle said it this way, do not be misled or deceived, do not be fooled, bad company corrupts good character. So Paul is saying it's, it's very uh, very truthful that we could be oblivious of those people that we hang out with because there's no neutral relationship, there's no casual relationship. Our relationship is impacted by other people. Our relationship is linked to our purpose. Our relationships are linked to our calling. When I talk about ministry, I'm talking about people I'm linked with. When we talk about ministry here in church and who you're serving with, ministry is about people. So you need to recognize who you're with. When we're in the church and we're in ministry, we're not competing with each other. We're completing each other. We're not trying to get over on somebody else. We're not trying to be better than somebody else. We're trying to complete each other for the purpose and the calling of God. We need more people that provide not just company, but we need people that can help us carry out our calling. I'll read this statement to you. I think it's a beautiful statement. If you want to go fast, you go alone. But if you want to go far, you go with others. If you want to go faster, you can go alone. But if you want to go further, you want to go with others. Many of us, we've heard this term... I, I want a circle of friends. No, I want more than a circle of friends. I want a squad. I want people, man, that are going to go with me, that we're going to fulfill the purpose and the call of God. Can you say amen? amen. So we need people that have a purpose and, we, and, and, and are contending for the call of God. Therefore, people's presence in our lives is not an accident. We need to look at it as God's providence. In other words, God has put people in our lives for a reason and many times for that season. And it's us that we need to recognize how it happens. In other words, God sends them. We got to recognize them. And here's what I want you to write down. God assigns them, but you have to align them. God assigns them to you, but you got to align them. Now a lot of us would say, "I don't need friends. I can just serve God alone, and God is all I need." And that's that's true. God is all you need. But there are some needs He fulfills directly, and then there are other needs He fulfills indirectly through others. So, God sends other people in your life to fulfill your your life, to fulfill your need, to help you in your purpose. We're not, we're no long rangers. Can you say, Amen? we need other people? And so, the human species is for relationship and knowing that we're not uh, uh, independent, uh, we're not codependent, but we're interdependent upon each other. Adam and Eve were carrying out the call of God together. That's why Adam couldn't do it by himself. So I'm going to just say this. Your relationship is a mirror, almost a prophetic mirror or prophetic forecast of what's going to happen in your life. And so you need to look at your relationships because your relationships are consequential. They're incredibly consequential. That's why you need to be incredibly intentional and wise of how you steward your relationship. They use this illustration. The relationship could be like you're the bus driver, and I don't know if there's any bus drivers here, but you're the bus driver, and the drive, as the driver, you're picking up relationships along the way. And people get on your bus, and that's awesome. But you got to, number one, you got to be selective who you pick up. Number two, you got to be selective where you place them on that bus. Not everybody gets the front seat. Some need to be in the back. And some people need to get off on the next stop. Am I right? Isn't it amazing when you're driving the bus? You go, hey, how did you sneak on? I dropped you off back there. Another guy snuck on. Some people need to stay off your bus. Am I right? This is relationship. We need to be able to steward our relationships well. When you steward your relationships well, you're you're stewarding your life well. Everyone has the place, and we must put them there because this is critical to the call of God. It's not just important to have the right people in your life, but it's important to place the right people in the right place. Many of us today, our alignment with people is wrong. It's like, uh, I'm, how many of you guys have ever played Monopoly? Any Monopoly players here? How many know Monopoly, man? It's strategic. When you play, I mean, it's all about negotiation, what you buy and sell, all of that. But how many know it really comes down to the roll of the dice? Unless you're a cheater. I know there's some of you here. Anyway, (laughs) it's like Jesus is not in the game of Monopoly. I I know you don't pray. You're cheating. But anyway, (laughs) so you just kind of roll the dice, and wherever it goes, it lands, and a lot of us... uh, Unfortunately, this is how you treat relationships, the roll of a dice. Yet, you're intentional when it comes to your job. You're intentional when it comes to planning. But it really blows my mind when people are not intentional about the relationship that they have. They're not serious about the relationships in their life. Because some relationships can catapult you to to real great places, and some of them can bring you down. Some relationships will move you forward incrementally, right, incrementally, and some can move you backwards incrementally. This is why you have to be very careful. Who am I aligning myself with? Where are they in my life? This is why it takes management. This is why it takes spiritual wisdom as where we place them. Can I tell you, as a pastor, even when I put people uh, and we we place people in ministry, we have to be careful who we're placing and where we're placing them at. We don't just place people in ministry because they have gifting. Can I just be honest? I'm not impressed by gifting anymore. I'm more impressed by character. I've met a lot of people with a lot of gifting, but no character. There's something on stage and entirely something else at home. So I'm more impressed by character than I am impressed by character. Gifting. People go, oh, did you see that? Did you hear me? That's awesome. i like to know his character, though. I want to know what he's really about. I'm not really amazed by all the charismatic gifting. Can I just be honest today? Character matters. Character matters uh, in your life and relationships that you have. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna just kind of go off of here. Acts chapter 9, verse 27. Paul the apostle, uh, before he became Paul, he was Saul, he persecuted the church of God, and as a result, many of them feared him. And it was Barnabas in Acts chapter 9, verse 27 that spoke up for him. He it was a, a man of encouragement, and people were afraid to get near Paul, but it was Barnabas that spoke up for Paul and And he became the Apostle Paul because someone aligned him in the right place, placed him in the right place, saw the call of God. See, we need others today in our life to help us along the way to fulfill the call of God. Can you say amen? And I want to end with this because I think this illustration really illustrates the church of God. And when we're talking about defining and aligning and about being team players, look at what happens here of this great partnership in Exodus chapter 17. But before I read that, let me read you this story because I thought it was real significant here. In 1904, there was an unlikely partnership that started at the World's Fair in St. Louis. The summer was unusually hot, and people were searching for something to help cool them off. And Arnold Fornocho, I believe is his last name, uh, he had an ice cream uh, stand. And people began to line up to get ice cream to cool themselves down. Arnold was not prepared for the demand and ran out of paper bowls and was forced to wash a few porcelain bowls uh, over and over again. The result is people were getting tired of waiting. Next to Arnold's ice cream booth was a booth by a, a, a pastry chef by the name of Ernest Hamwin. And he was making a Persian wa- wafer, a dessert called la- the labia, I believe is what's called. And Ernest also had a problem. His pastries were not selling. But he noticed that Arnold was having a problem with getting enough bows. So he, what he did is he warmed his, the labia, rolled it into a cone. Then he went over to Arnold and said, hey, you could put a scoop of ice cream in this cone. And on that hot day during the World's Fair, the ice cream cone was born because of a partnership. Isn't that awesome? It tells you something when you partner with others what you can get accomplished. The next time you eat that ice cream cone, think about the World's Fair and that partnership, okay? So here, let me read you a scripture here out of Exodus chapter 17. I want you to see this partnership, and I need to bring this to a close here. I got about 10 minutes here, and then I, I got to go. Uh, so Moses said to Joshua, choose men for us to go out and fight against the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses as it said to him, and he fought against the Amalek, Amalek, and Moses and Aaron and, and her went up to the top of the hill. Now, when Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. But when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hand became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hand, one on one side, one on the other, other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So I want you to understand there's a number of partnerships that are taking place in this story and I can't get really detailed in it but I want to just kind of summarize a couple of things. Joshua had the task to gather an army together to fight against the Amalekites. Now, the Bible says that Moses had told him, I'm going to go up on the mountain, and I'm going to hold the rod of God, of the staff, upon that mountain, and I'm going to raise my hand. That was crucial that Moses would represent the spiritual side. Joshua was representing the physical side. He was going to go out and fight the battle. But how many know we need the Holy Spirit when we fight battles, right? Joshua was out there fighting the enemy. Now, the staff of God, there's nothing magical about it, but it represented God's Word. How did it represent God's Word? Because the Bible says when he threw the staff down, God said, pick it up. And he picked it up, uh, or he threw the staff, staff down and turned into a snake, and he picked it up. He said, I want you to take that staff, and I want you to put it, uh, 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 put it toward, uh, when you go to Israel, he said, take the staff and put it in the water, turn into blood. He goes, pick up the staff. He said, the seat opened up. So in other words, the staff represented God's word, represented his promises. Whenever something was done, he used that staff to declare the promises of God. And so here's Moses. He's on the mountain. There's a battle that's going on between the people of Israel and the, and the Amalekites. And they're going to fight this battle. Joshua gathers the army. Here's another partnership going on. Because the, they didn't have soldiers... They had to gather an army, and the Bible says Joshua went to the 12th tribe, and they gathered an army together, and they're going to fight the Amalekite. but they needed Moses on the mountain interceding. Can you say amen? Yes. They needed Moses on the mountain with his staff up, and the Bible says as they begin to battle that Moses' hand began to get tired, and every time he lowered his hand, they begin to lose the battle. That's what happens when you stop praying. You're going to lose the battle. You stop partnering with God. You stop doing the spiritual side. And so the Bible says uh, that he got tired. And so they, he began to sit down because he was standing up. Then finally there was the partnership with Aaron and her, is what they, is his name is, and they begin to help hold up his hand. And so as he's held up his hand, they begin to win the battle. So there's a number of things that are happening here. You see, the spiritual side needs to happen and the physical work needs to get done on the battlefield. Are you with me? That all of this partnership is happening. It doesn't happen until people are linking together and working together. Somebody say amen. Amen. Moses had to raise the staff of God. It was the model of the work of God. And also Joshua had to fight the battle. He had to get the work done. Partners work together for the common goal. And so in this church, it's going to take a partnership of all of us working together. How many know that all of us as the partner have, represent something? We're all significant, right? All of us. Partnerships won't work if we're just a jawbone. People who merely talk about it but don't get it done. Partnerships don't work if we're all a wishbone. People who are just merely wishing for something to get done. Partnerships don't work if we're just a funny bone. We don't take the job serious. The partnership takes when we're the backbone. We get the work done. Can you say amen? All of us are working together. So how does it work in the church? How, what is it that we can all do to partner together and what God's doing in this church? All of us have a part. And all of us make a difference. And, and I can tell you a couple of things here. Get involved in ministry. Let me say that again. Get involved in ministry. That's a great partnership. Many of you have heard this illustration or you heard this before. Uh, 80% of the work in the church is done by 20% of the people. That means 80% of us are watching everybody else do ministry and do the work. And there's only a handful of people. That means there's 100 people, there's only 20 people, right? If there's 200, there's only 40 people. Just think about that. Think of all the people that are watching and observing and the people. We have many people in our church. And I'm telling you, we do ministry well. Thank God for people that are serving here in ministry. I, I appreciate them. But can I be honest with you? We have a lot of people here that are doing three to four ministries. Some are here on the worship team. I don't know if you noticed. We got guys on the worship team. And he's also running the camera. Some are actually working in the media. Some actually on the worship team serve in the Sunday school. And so you begin to think about all these different people that are serving in different ministries and can't focus on one. It's because we need more people that will get involved. So can, you help? can we partner with that? Can, can we partner together in just coming to church? Just come to church. Thank, thank God you're here. But we have two services, 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock. We also have, have a service on Wednesday. And we have connect groups on Friday. How can we partner together? Attend these things. 10-1 of the morning service. You're a leader. You should be here twice anyway. But anyway, uh, but, but Wednesday night, we, we also we have our connect groups on Friday night. If you'll just do that. Also, partner together in prayer. I don't know if you guys know this, but we have prayer here every Saturday morning. We have prayer here, here at 8 o'clock. And can I tell you, when, in the beginning of the year, everybody's all prayed up. By time the time February comes, kind of the prayer kind of wore off. We still need to pray. Somebody needs to be on the mountain holding the staff up, right? We need to be praying. Thank God you're serving. But we need people here in prayer. We used to have a lot more people here coming to pray in the morning on Saturday morning. And then we have prayer before every service. We have prayer in the prayer. And there was a good group of people this morning. We get there and we pray at 8 o'clock in the morning on Sunday. And then on, on Wednesday night, we have people there at 6.30. We pray for a half hour. I'm telling you, man, it, it'll help you. And it makes a difference. I've, I've noticed that when we're praying and we come into the service, it changes everything. Yes. Sometimes I've seen a bad prayer meeting, and I tell you, if something happened in the service. It just wasn't there. We weren't praying. Did you hear me? So we got, we got to really participate in praying together. And then the other part is being generous and giving. I mean, uh, everything we do, we can only go as far as your generosity takes us. So we can only do some, everybody says, man, let's get a new building. Well, uh, it takes money to get a new building. Uh, I'll just be honest with you. It takes us being generous. If we want more, we want to do more, it's going to take all of us uh, giving our tithes, all of us contributing and doing. Uh, I can tell you, not everybody tithes here in the church. If you assume that, that's not true. Very small percentage actually, really actually tithe. If you'll begin to tithe, it'll make a difference in our church and what we can do, how many people we can reach, and what ministry we can do. We can only go as far as your generosity. So all of us together, if we'll begin to partner together, if we'll begin to define and align who we are, man, we'll make a difference in the world. We'll make a difference in this community. We'll make impact in the world. How many would say amen to that? And I believe we'll reach more people for Christ. So begin to examine your relationship, Ex- begin to examine who's in your life and what you're doing, because I can tell you today, it will make a difference in your life today. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.